Welcome to Unleashing Sister Saints, a podcast focused on strengthening women's faith in Jesus Christ and helping them wrestle through the sometimes complex gender and cultural dynamics in the church. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, a global expert in women and leadership, a mom of four, and I should say a grandmother of six now, and a devoted member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I love the word unleash, and I use it often. In each episode, I try to include some research, personal experiences, and a challenge to help you feel free to bring your whole self to the Lord's work. Now, before I get started today, I want to thank Emily, who left the following review of Unleashing Sister Saints on Apple Podcasts. She said, if you want to lift girls and women, subscribe to this podcast. Dr. Madsen's voice empowers me with knowledge and tools to positively dialogue about the issues of gender equity, sexism, education, belonging, mental health, confidence, and identity. Emily, thank you so much. We read and really appreciate every review. If you haven't yet rated or reviewed the podcast, we would be so grateful if you would take the time to do that today. And now, Let's get to our conversation. Today, I am so thrilled to welcome my friend, Elaine Dalton, to the show. Elaine, welcome. Thank you, Susan. I am absolutely thrilled to be here and to be able to visit and process with you. Oh, thank you. So many listeners will recognize (laughs) Elaine as President Dalton. (laughs) Elaine served as the 13th president of the Young Women General Presidency from 2008 to 2013. And prior to her call as president, Elaine also served on both Young Women Board and as a counselor in the presidency. In total, she provided 16 years of general church service and gave 16 general conference talks. Remarkable. Since her release, Elaine has served on the Board of Trustees at Utah Valley University. She's also the president of the Stella Oaks Foundation, an organization named for President Oaks' mother that offers scholarships to single mothers. Elaine was born and raised in Ogden, Utah, and earned a bachelor's degree in English from Brigham Young University. She is an accomplished author, speaker, and avid runner. She and her husband, Stephen, are the parents of six children and the grandparents of 21. So, so good to have you on the show today. So let's jump in. Throughout your service in the Young Women and in your books and talks, it is clear you understand who we as women truly are and who we can become. So my question, how did you develop that understanding for yourself and how did you come to see yourself as a daughter of God with talents and gifts and influence? Well, that is a great question. And I actually think it's a very important question we should all ask ourselves. Now, as far as developing or understanding for myself who I am and my identity, I think personally that came to me very early on. And I think it started in my home. We lived with my grandparents. My grandmother was uh, had had a series of strokes and could not speak, and she could not walk without help. And I, as a little child, observed my grandfather and how he treated her. And he would always say, this is my queen. I think it started right there in my home. And then, of course, how mothers are, and I probably every mother does this, when you leave the house and when I'd go on dates or with friends later, my mom would always say, now, Elaine, remember who you are. 
and what you stand for. I'd always walk out the door and say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll remember, I'll remember. And then I'd ponder it on the way out. Who am I? Who am I? So it was on my mind. I know that. But then I recall, and this is going to reveal how ancient of days I am. <laughs> I recall when Queen Elizabeth was crowned at her coronation. It was televised. And I was outside playing and my mom called me and she said, you have got to come and watch this. You will never see the coronation of a queen in your lifetime ever again. And I remember running in the house and watching that, that whole thing and thinking, I want to be a queen. I want to be like that. And, and, but not realizing really that we all are, you know, at that point in time. And then I think, of course, when I received my calling, it really hit me. I think the Lord really blessed me with the knowledge of my individual identity, but also of the identity of all the women on the earth right now. And I'll never forget right after I was called by President Monson, I went to the temple. And after I finished that session, I was walking down the hall. And at the end of the hall, there was a Minerva Tykert painting of Queen Esther. And the Spirit just whispered to me, for such a time as this. And what that meant in my heart was all the women on the earth are queens. They've been reserved. They've been prepared. They're the noble and great and the elect. And they're here now for such a time as this. And that was such a spiritual defining moment for me and really changed me. And how I looked at every person, not just members of the church, but every person, especially young women and women. We're all <laughs> noble and great. And I think sometimes life gets in the way of that, doesn't it? It makes us, we're, we're not treated like we should be. It, we feel less than. We, we start comparing. There's just a lot of things that happen that kind of get in the way of our really remembering that we are some of the, the noble and great, and we're sent here to make changes and to lead out in the world right now for righteousness. Absolutely. And that's part of what this whole podcast is called Unleashing Sister Saints. I love that term, unleashing. You know, just unleashing to inside, but also externally, internally, to do the work that God needs us to do in ways that we don't have to just be told. But again, these days, right now, I mean, 2023, almost 2024, uh, so many complex dynamics with mental health and identity of women is has been shaken to the core for most of us, I think. So, so much work to do moving forward with individual identity, but also with the work that the Lord needs us to do as women, don't you think? Absolutely. And I feel oppressed. I feel that the Lord's hastening mm. his work and that we are those women who have been sent here to lead out and to assist and that we have got to individually prepare wherever, however we can. And it's all going to be unique to us to be a contributor in building the kingdom. But I also believe it's part of our unique divine missions, every one of us. And so it's so important. So that a, personal revelation is so important these days because you keep yeah. saying each of us individually. I really believe the way we come to understand who we truly are. Well, I think it's complex, but I think part of it is through the spirit bearing witness to us. And that takes a little 
desire. It takes prayer and a little quiet time. But you can find out. I have. You can understand and know. And I think we have some tools, the Holy Ghost, of course. But I think we also have our patriarchal blessings. And we have priesthood blessings that we can receive. And then we have prophetic words that are true. I think it's easier probably now than ever before to really have that internalization of the fact that we are very precious daughters of God. Yeah, thank you so much. So women around the world stand and recite the beautiful young women theme often. This inspired document articulates our divine parentage, nature, and inherent worth, and it contains powerful, life-changing doctrine. However, sometimes I do worry about the gap in the church between hearing and reciting, and I would say individual people believing these beautiful truths and actually believing and knowing them. So how can we as women bridge this gap? What will truly believing and knowing these truths for ourselves allow us to do and become? Well, you know, Susan, that uh, what you just said is very astute. And as I traveled all over the world and said the young women theme with young women in Japan, China, Korea, Brazil, and all the languages, and as I observed their faces and what they were saying, it was clear to me that they were repeating those words, but they didn't, it hadn't gone into them. They And so you're exactly right. It had not dawned on them who they really were. And maybe that's a blessing. Maybe if we really, truly knew, it would scare us. (laughs) I remember when President Monson set me apart, he gave me a list of spiritual gifts and things I didn't have that I needed to in this calling. And one of those was to be able, the gift to see, the women and young women of the world, the way our Father in Heaven sees them. And I can remember that one of the first meetings where a large group of women and young women were gathered, that happened. And I sat on the stand and was absolutely just humble because I knew I was in the presence of greatness. And I knew this was not an ordinary gathering. And yet the women, most of the women and young women didn't know. They just had come, you know, and we just get busy with life and we just don't realize. But the Lord is in the details. And that was an amazing thing. And that gift didn't leave when I got released. It's kind of magnified. And I I see that even more now. It's a blessing. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I've really, even in the work that I do in the state of Utah, I really have done some research where that gap between there's just some things amiss in that gap. If you really, truly understood you were a daughter of heavenly parents, some of these trends that are internal, I guess one of the things I've wrestled with is how do we get that deeper, right? We hear it. We know that it's true, but how do we feel that we're truly daughters of heavenly parents? Any comments to that? Ooh, I have you see, figured I, it out? <laughs> no, but I haven't, but I, I'm in process. But oh. um, I do know that I was inspired uh, to give one of those 16 conference talks in the general young women meeting. And it was the title of it was Remember Who You Are. And some of the talks that you that I gave in general conference came line upon line. They were hard. 
it's hard to write a general conference talk and say what is in your heart in 12 minutes. But this talk, Remember Who You Are, just poured out. It poured out of heaven. And so if anybody's struggling, maybe you can start with a prayer and maybe you can read that talk. Can I tell you a story that I told in that talk? Sure. And we'll put the link to the talk in the oh, show notes. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, I told the story of King Louis XVI of France, and you've probably heard this story, but he had an unshakable knowledge of his identity. And there were others in history. I think Joan of Arc had that same unshakable knowledge of her identity early on. But as a young man, he was kidnapped by evil men who wanted to dethrone his, who did dethrone his father, the king. And these men wanted to destroy him. And so morally, so that he couldn't be the heir to the throne. And so they put before him every vile thing that they could think of. And for six months, they subjected him to things that they thought he would yield under pressure. And he didn't. And uh, finally, after they tried everything they could think of, they asked him why he had such great moral strength. And his reply was simple. He said, I cannot do what you ask, for I was born to be the king. And I just think in this day and age, that sentence has to stay in our minds that there are a lot of things that we can't do that undermine our self-confidence, our determination, our identity. And I think we have to just rise a little higher and just say, I'm sorry, I, I cannot do what you ask because I was born to be a queen. And I think the gospel of Jesus Christ elevates women. I really do. In fact, I visited in homes. I remember a home in Africa, which was so humble and just a mother left alone to raise her daughter there. And as I walked in and sat on the little stool that was made out of a tree trunk and looked around this little six foot home, six foot by six foot home, I just prayed and said, Heavenly Father, I, I know you sent me here, but what do you want me to do? And it, it was very clear that the only hope for those two women was the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and the sisterhood that they could find as they went and attended church and the power that they could have access to as they made and kept covenants. And so I invited them to come to church, and they did. Just about a year ago, I saw the young woman's picture in the church news. I know she's okay. Oh, I love it. She was with the General Relief Society presidency. So <laughs> I know she's okay, and she was shiny and bright. And I think she's coming into understanding that she is no ordinary young woman. I love that so much. And you are using that term. And my next question is, in your book, No Ordinary Women, you write, we are daughters of God. We are not ordinary women. We are born to be leaders and we have a great work to do. You speak and write often of women as leaders. And of course, I love that. We know there are so many ways to lead. Though we sometimes get stuck on the stereotypical leadership roles and characteristics. So this is the question. How can women see themselves as leaders in whatever sphere of influence they find themselves? And then back to that topic of how can we recognize our unique gifts and talents to accomplish our piece of the Lord's plan? 
I hope everyone listening today is writing Susan's questions down <laughs> because these are questions that it's just not a one sentence answer. And Elaine Dalton's not going to answer them for you today. But I do know this. I do know that if you go before the Lord in prayer and you sincerely ask at some point, maybe peace line upon line, he will reveal to you. I do know this. And it's my life's motto, actually, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. I'm old enough now, Susan, that I know that's true because he has done that with a little girl from Ogden, Utah, that as far as she ever traveled was Salt Lake City. And if he can do that with me, he can do that with all of you because you're you are truly the noble and great and elect women of the world. And I think a way to maybe find an answer, because I have notes all over this section in the Doctrine and Covenants, mm -hmm. is to read section 25 of the Doctrine and Covenants oh. and put your name wherever it says Emma Smith's name. Because what the Lord says at the end of that section to women is what I say unto one, Emma Smith, I say Yes, and yes. He lets her know clearly that he knows her name, that he knows who she is and where she is, that she is one of the elect ladies. And then he gives instruction on how she can pursue her own unique divine mission. And it's the same for us. It's seek for the Holy Ghost and cleave to your covenants. And anyway, there's wonderful counsel in there for all of us. And I read that often. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Here's another great quote from your book about leaders. Quote, we are not here to sit back and be passive. We are here to lead, live a purposeful life, not a passive life. Arise. So that's your quote. So what counsel would you have to women to live more purposefully and not passively? Oh, I think I would say that right now I feel that we have been lulled into a little bit of passivity because of the internet and because of social media. And I think there's a real temptation and I'm talking to me too, sister. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, you're, I'm not just talking to you, but there's a real temptation to get on a site like Instagram and, and just say, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. And then what we do is we compare ourselves to yeah. that person. And so we become observers rather than, than participants. And we cannot, I think comparison is going, will be the downfall of all of us because we are unique. Even our bodies, I believe, have been created uniquely so that we can perform the role, the, the divine mission that we've been sent here to perform, even your color of your eyes, even how tall you are. So we cannot compare ourselves to someone else. We just have to work to make ourselves the best version of ourselves that we can be, the very best person that we can do. And I'll tell you, it's not makeup. It's not how to put on your eyeshadow correctly. There's another kind of beauty. There's a deep attractiveness, and it's, it's a spiritual beauty. And that is, there's a principle there in the Doctrine and Covenants, light cleaveth to light and virtue. Mm -hmm loveth virtue. And I believe that is the way we can arise and not be passive, but be participants and not just participants, but leaders in our own sphere, wherever that may be. And we'll get plenty of opportunities. I can guarantee the young mothers who are listening, you will get 
plenty of opportunities to lead in other ways, but focus right now on leading in your home. Because if you can raise a righteous family, or if you have the privilege to have children, some don't, you can change the world just by doing that. And also, I always remind women that it's not all or nothing, though, because you can lead in your home, but you can use your voice in other places for moments here and there or short times. It's not 40 hours on one side or whatever. So there's ways to be able to do that. But I love that you said leading in your home because I talk about that often. I've collected data on motherhood as leadership role, and a lot of people don't think that it is, but it is absolutely linked to the academic theories of leadership. I totally agree. I think when you're a mother, you get an MBA. A mother of business administration, but there it's really go. a master's of business administration because you do everything that you would do if you were in the business world. And I, you know, I mentioned at the first how you have, was it 21 grandchildren? But yeah. I sure, uh, and I have six now, but it is, you don't learn as much because you're not in the weeds all the time. But what a joy to be a grandparent, right? Oh, it is. You know what? Being a grandparent for me has made me wish I could go back and be a mom again. Oh. Because I know everything I did wrong now. <laughs> I could maybe do a little better. I could maybe do a little bit better. How do you, is that how you feel, Susan? Yeah, but I really do like the phase you know, going back with all the kids in the house and everything is kind of chaotic. I do, I say quite often when I'm speaking, I do uh, love this phase in life because my house stays magically clean. <laughs> but I do love spending time with my grandchildren. So Elaine, I've heard you say often that you feel your greatest accomplishment is being a wife and a mother. Being a mom has never been easy, but it is especially hard in today's world so many of your young women, you know, I'm putting quote marks here because you, you know, we're in those years and still there's so many women in the church that, that feel like you're their president, right? They're wives and mothers now. What words of encouragement and perspective would you offer them? Well, I think I'm going to go back to what you said, because I think it's so wise, Susan. And that is there, it's not all or nothing. There are those times those where you can diversify, you can do other things. It's not just always in the trenches, changing diapers. I had a young woman come up to me the other day and she said, I have a degree in college and all I'm doing is changing diapers. And I <laughs> love that. Love the time that you're in, but don't just focus there. You know, take those snippets of time, like you said, and do something to develop yourself. This is preparation time for you. And I think one of the things I loved about motherhood was how much my children taught me, how much they polished me and how much they caused me to kind of try to develop Christ-like attributes like self-control and <laughs> things like that when things didn't go the way I thought. So I love being a mother. Yeah. <laughs> and you get on the other end of that, you really, you see the rewards, you reap the rewards and you also can say, boy, if I did that, I can do anything. It's so true. I love that. So last question for you. I would love to end with you sharing about your experience serving as president of the Stella Oaks Foundation. So tell us a little bit more about the foundation. And let me just give you this quote that we found on the website. When you educate a mother, you educate generations. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about what you do and what would you say to single mothers listening in? 
Oh, thank you for that opportunity. You know, Susan, I feel like this opportunity to head up this foundation at this particular time is almost an extension of my calling because we have young or single mothers who've done everything right. And yet life has hit them hard and things that were very unanticipated because of other people's use of their agency or because of tragedy or because of illness have completely changed that ideal situation we all think we're going to have all through our lives. Only in the case of single mothers, the ones that we're helping, many of them did not finish school and they stopped and they worked to get their husband through so that he could be employed and they wanted to be, and righteously so, a stay-at-home mom, which is rare now, but that they wanted to do that. And then found themselves with a husband that had passed away or had found another interest and divorced them, found themselves not able to support their family of four children because they could not get the kind of job. They cannot get the kind of job that you can get if you have a degree or some technical training. So this foundation is a blessing because I'm I'm able to continue to help my young women. I call them my young women <laughs> who have lived great lives, who are highly motivated, very sharp, just get a foot in the door and a foot up by giving them a scholarship. So if there are any of the young mothers, single mothers listening, I sitting in that hut in Africa that day, I knew the restored gospel of Jesus Christ was the only hope for those two women. And the other thing that was the only hope was education. And I think that is an unbeatable combination. When you're educated and you have the gospel and you have the Holy Ghost in your life and the enabling power of the atonement of the Savior and the power of covenants, I think I think it's an unbeatable combination. And I would like to say to these, all of you single mothers or those that are having huge challenges right now, there is help. There are people who will help you. We want to do this. We just push the button on another round of scholarships for for, uh, winter, spring. And I have to tell you, the spirit just went from my head to my toe. The Lord, he loves you. The Lord loves mothers. He loves single mothers and he will bless you. I've watched it happen with this foundation. And sometimes I'll get to a place where we don't, I don't think we have enough money. And guess what happens? Someone will call that very day and say, I'd like to donate X amount, which happens to be just the amount we need for one more scholarship. So the Lord is in the details. And so just come to our website and fill out your application. And we hope that those who have the means can help us to be able to bless as many young mothers, young single mothers as possible. I appreciate your letting me just talk about that. Oh, it's it's become my passion. I didn't know. I that know. It would be. <laughs> but it's really a way to help to lift women. And we had an organization come to us. It's called 100 Women Who Care. Yeah. And they just donated a little money every time they met. And they brought us their whole, their envelope of checks and dollar bills and they had the ability to bless and lift 10 women all the way through their schooling. Isn't that wonderful? That so it's amazing. women helping women to, to rise. Thank you so much. 
So I have loved having you on the show today. Absolutely loved that. I'm going to give you like just in 30 seconds, any closing over our chain kind of advice or words that you'd like to leave us with today? I think I would just say, I know how much the Lord loves you. I know how mindful he is of you and your circumstances. Don't get discouraged. Don't get distracted. Just keep pressing forward. And I'll say what my mom said, <laughs> follow the prophet and keep your covenants and remember who you are. You are not ordinary. You have a great work to do here on the earth and the Lord will direct your paths. Oh my gosh, that was so great, Elaine. Thank you so much. To those listeners today, my challenge for you this week actually is to, and we'll put it in the show notes, listen to the talk. Remember Who You Are by Elaine Dalton. I don't know how many years ago, but we'll put put that and I'm going to take that as a challenge for me too. So that's my challenge to you. Take a few notes in your journal as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Dr. Susan Madsen, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world.